In June, the book club was at Zoe's house, which meant that Elizabeth had to carry her heavy ceramic bowl of spinach salad with walnuts and bits of crumbled goat cheese, a grand total of half a block. She didn't even have to cross the street. None of the dozen women in the group had to travel far, that was the point. It was hard enough to coordinate schedules and read a novel, though only half the group ever finished anything, without asking people to get on the subway. Make plans with your real friends on your own time. Drive your car across the borough to have dinner if you want to, but this was the neighborhood. This was easy. It was the last meeting before the annual summer hiatus. Elizabeth had sold houses to six of the twelve. She had a vested interest in keeping them happy, though in truth, it was also good when people gave up on Brooklyn and decided to move to the suburbs or back to wherever they came from, because then she got a double commission. Elizabeth liked her job. Of course, even if the rest of the book club was composed of neighbors who might not otherwise have crossed paths, she and Zoe were different. They were old friends, best friends, really, though Elizabeth might not say that in front of Zoe for fear that she would laugh at the phrase for being juvenile. They'd lived together after college, way back in the Stone Age in this very same house, sharing the rambling Victorian with Elizabeth's boyfriend, now husband, and two guys who had lived in their co-op at Oberlin. It was always nice to carry a big bowl of something homemade over to Zoe's house, because it felt like being back in that potluck-rich, money-poor twilight zone known as one's twenties. Ditmas Park was a hundred miles from Manhattan, in reality seven, a tiny little cluster of Victorian houses that could have existed anywhere in the United States, with Prospect Park's parade grounds to the north and Brooklyn College to the south. Their other friends from school were moving into walk-up apartments in the East Village or into beautiful brownstones in Park Slope, on the other side of the vast green park. But the three of them had fallen in love with the idea of a house house, and so there they were, sandwiched between old Italian ladies and the projects. When their lease was up, Zoe's parents, an African-American couple who'd made their tidy fortune as a disco duo, bought the place for her. Seven bedrooms, three baths, center hall, driveway, garage. It cost 150 grand. The moldy carpet and the layers of lead paint were free. Elizabeth and Andrew weren't married yet, let alone sharing a bank account, and so they sent their separate rent checks to Zoe's parents back in Los Angeles. Zoe had borrowed more money to fix it up over the years, but the mortgage was paid. Elizabeth and Andrew moved a few blocks over for a while, all the way to Stratford, and then, when their son Harry was four, a dozen years ago, bought a house three doors down. Zoe's house was now worth two million dollars, maybe more. Elizabeth felt a little zip up her spine thinking about it. Neither Elizabeth nor Zoe thought they'd still be in the neighborhood so many years later, but it had never been the right time to leave. Elizabeth walked up the steps to the wide porch and peered in the window. She was the first to arrive, as usual. The dining room was ready, the table set. Zoe pushed through the swinging door from the kitchen, a bottle of wine in each hand. She exhaled upward, trying in vain to blow a lone curl out of her eye. Zoe was wearing tight blue jeans and a threadbare camisole, with a complicated pile of necklaces clacking against her chest. It didn't matter if Elizabeth went shopping with Zoe. To the consignment shops she frequented, and to the small, precious boutiques she liked, nothing ever fit Elizabeth the way it fit Zoe. She was as preternaturally cool at 45 as she'd been at 18. Elizabeth knocked on the window and then waved when Zoe looked up and smiled, her thin fingers waggling in the air. Doors open. The house smelled like basil and fresh tomatoes. Elizabeth let the door shut heavily behind her and set her salad out on the table. 
She shook out her wrists, which crackled like fireworks. Zoe walked around the table and kissed her on the cheek. How was your day, sweets? Elizabeth rolled her head sideways from one side to the other. Something clicked. You know, she said, like that. What can I do? She looked around the room. Do you need me to go home and get anything? Even in Ditmas Park, a 12-person dinner party was a lot for a host. Usually only a small quorum of the book club was able to come, and so the hosts could scrape by and cram everyone around their normal dining room table. But every so often, especially just before the summer, all the women would happily RSVP and, depending on who was hosting, the group would have to carry extra folding chairs down the street in order to avoid sitting on the floor like pouting children on Thanksgiving. Overhead, there was the sound of something heavy falling to the floor, thump, and then twice more, thump, thump. Ruby, Zoe yelled, craning her chin skyward. Come say hello to Elizabeth. There was a muffled reply. It's fine, Elizabeth said. Where's Jane, at the restaurant? She opened her mouth to say more. She had actual news, news not fit for their neighbor's ears, and wanted to get to it before the doorbell rang. We have a new Sue, and I'm sure Jane is standing over his shoulder like a drill sergeant. You know how it is in the beginning, always drama. Ruby, come down here and say hello before everyone you don't like shows up.